Good morning, or whatever time it is that you're listening to this podcast. My name is Riley Davis. I'm Hayden Leverett. And on this week's episode of Outside the Cup, we are going to have our good friend Ryan Shorter on the podcast, and we're going to be tasting some coffee with him, and we're going to be discussing everything from the community of coffee and the future of where it's going and just well, just a little bit of everything. You're just going to have to listen to find out what all we get into, but it was a great episode and we're very thankful that he came on. That's right. But let's uh, all warm up together, have a cup and uh, enjoy what we're having. Um, we're going to talk about it and what's in our cups. So join us for that and then we'll, we'll move on. Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Oh yeah, dude, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening and uh, yeah, let's get into it. How was your flat white, right? That's what you had? Yeah, I had a flat white. I would mm. say it was one of the best flat whites I've ever had in my life. Uh, was it the only flat white you've had? <laughs> you know, we don't need to get into the details. <laughs> but yeah, it was the only flat white I've ever had. But it was delicious. It was really good. Ryan made it for me. Um, did a little vanilla in there, a little bit mm. of caramel drizzle on top. So mm. sweet boy. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, flat whites are pretty solid. Yeah, they are. I enjoy flat whites, honestly. I don't. I haven't had them with the whole milk, honestly, and no syrups or anything. But flat whites are really, really good. Yeah, it's nice because it's not a ton of milk. The espresso has a good flavor still, and it's a really enjoyable to drink. It's like, so the flat white is like the next step up from cortado, right? In terms of milk. Right. Amount. Yeah, it's about like two ounces more of milk, and it's like between a flat white and a cappuccino, or between a uh, cortado and cappuccino. Yeah. Sounds so, so like. I don't know. Like, you're really picky about what you're getting, I guess. But w- the difference is, is just, like, the amount of milk. So, like, there's the macchiato, and then there's the cortado, and then the flat white, then cappuccino, then latte, right? Mm-hmm. That's it? Is there anything yeah. missing in there? Um, Not that I can think of. I mean, unless you're going to, like, Australia and you get a piccolo. Oh, yeah, you told me about like that. between a cortado and a flat white. Never heard of that before. Yeah. Did you hear about that? I've been with Ryan before when we've you ordered a piccolo or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I've had this conversation with you before. Is it from the piccolos. Aussie grind? Yeah. Yeah. Aussie grind has them. They're amazing. Yeah. Well, also there was something at La Finca yesterday that was their largest size that I'd never heard of. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a 16 ounce something. And it was just a word that I'd never heard ever, but that's what their 16 ounce was. So I don't know. I'm glad I came with all my facts on this one. Yeah, but. you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but we just, uh, so we're at Ryan's place right now, and he has an espresso machine. So we mm-hmm. were able to have, like, espresso and different espresso drinks. I just had espresso. Riley had flat white. You had a cappuccino. Yeah. Yep. Delicious stuff. Where, uh, where's the coffee from? West Oak, and it's their milk and honey espresso blend. So I guess that's probably what they have, like, on on bar, like, mm-hmm. at their shop. Yeah. And that's in Denton? That's in Denton, yeah. It's uh, downtown on the square for anyone in uh, North Texas area. It's oh, downtown yeah. Denton right on the square. Super delicious place. Really fun to walk around. And I've been there once. And they have, did they have chocolate milk on tap? They do. They do have chocolate milk on tap. Nitro <laughs> chocolate milk. What? Uh-huh. It's infused with nitro. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Is it good? It's amazing. That it's just as good as you think it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds amazing. Holy cow. Why have we never done that? Um, well, it's in Denton, so I don't want to drive that far away, that's for sure. Fair oh, point. Okay, Fair makes point. sense. Well, we'll have far. to at some point. Oh, yeah. What are the notes on that bad boy? Yeah, so in the milk and honey espresso blend, it is blueberry, almond pastry, cocoa, and black cherry. 
whenever I have a good, like, specialty coffee, I always taste that blueberry. And mm-hmm. I did, I, I noticed it in that. Mm-hmm. I think blueberry is actually one of the things that really got me into coffee. Yeah. Was at one point, like, throughout my journey, I uh, had a cup of pour over that I made from Chemex and just had this wonderful blueberry, like, explosion in my mouth. Yes. And yeah. I feel like I've been chasing that ever since. And I was like, what, two years ago or something that I had that happen? Yeah. And it, it's like this endless pursuit to try and get that blueberry out of another cup. And it's so hard to find. But once you do, it's amazing. Yeah. I haven't really been able to do that at home for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I just feel very sad every time I make a V60 for myself. And then it doesn't measure up to any blueberries I've had, like, in any other specialty coffee, like, at a coffee shop is typically where I find it. But Right. I feel like everything just has to click perfectly. To yeah. get those notes out in it. Yeah. When it happens, it's amazing, but when it doesn't, you're just like, oh, man, yeah. Where can I get that again? It's like, how much effort do you want to put in your home brewing? I think whenever I buy a bag of coffee, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to drink for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. So there's no like trial and error necessarily. It's no mm-hmm. dialing in for me. It's just like, maybe I'll make an adjustment here or there, but like, there's a day or two between the time that I try it again right. that I like can change something else. So right. it's like, how much do I want to? But into my home coffee when it's like drinkable and it tastes good mm-hmm. and it's probably better than you know most people mm-hmm. drinking coffee at home not that I'm amazing at it but I just don't want to put that much effort into right, it. right I don't think any of us are going to win a world barista championship anytime soon no well you never know but you never know hey, this is a question I just thought of though for both of you do you prefer um just like a single origin like just a that it's from one country or do you prefer like a blend? Like this one has Ethiopia, El Salvador, and Brazil in there. Mm-hmm. Do you like seeing when it has like a lot of different areas or do you prefer it to just be like, Oh, this is a bean that's from Mexico. Mm. Like, does that, does that, or does it literally not matter to you? Cause I feel like some people like seeing blends and I feel like some people maybe prefer otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. There's preferences. I, I, for me, I don't really care. Um, it just, depends on the type of experience I'm wanting to have and like if it's on espresso or pour over or whatever but I don't know blends are I like blends more because I kind of like chocolatey nutty flavors Mm -hmm. um the fruity stuff is good but it's not like what I just want to brew at home all the time because those are typically a little bit harder to dial in you know Mm -hmm. but whenever you got the chocolatey stuff it's a little bit more like just just go with it. <laughs> right. It's not as finicky. It's not as hard to get taste and get enough to drink. Yeah. Right. I'm actually kind of the inverse. I really like enjoy single origins. I'm very picky for them, mm. especially when it comes to like pour overs and things like that. With espresso, I'm not so picky because blends are easier to dial in. Right. But if it comes to like a single origin I'm looking for, I love like Ethiopians, things like that, where it's got a lot of acidity, a lot of that fruitiness. Yeah. I'm not a really big fan of like Brazilian beans where they always had like nuttiness, chocolates, things like that. For like pour overs, but for espresso, I think they're great. So mm-hmm. it really depends for me. Like if I'm making espresso or I'm making like a V60, what am I really looking for to make with it? Yeah. So like V60s, I love the acidity, I love the fruitiness. Pour over or, uh, espresso, I prefer like nuttiness. Yeah, I would say whoever is, it's like wherever I'm getting the coffee, and then whoever's making it, and how much they, I'm like, how much confidence I have in them. I would say, is whether I'll choose like a. Uh, a blend over a, an origin or whatever. Because mm-hmm. okay. the origin's like, 
it's good to to like try origins whenever you're into coffee or you're like in in the coffee industry because then you can really know more about where coffee comes from and what kind of flavors you're going to get from a an any given origin you know yeah so so but like my conf- confidence in the barista i guess plays a part in what i would really go for interesting okay what about you mm-hmm. gotcha uh i would say the only thing that ever is, is the reason I ask too is because I feel like I have really good experiences when it's a blend. Something about it just seems like it's just, I don't know, from the experience that I've had with blends when there's from multiple countries or whatever, it just seems to taste a little bit better. Something about it mentally, this might literally be not true at all, but mentally for me, I'm like, oh man, that seems really nice because it's got like all these different, I don't know, just to take one bean and like make it good. Like, that's awesome. But whenever you have, like, multiple countries and, like, a blend yeah. goes into it, I'm like, oh, man, how did they – that seems like more effort was maybe put into it because you had to know those different beans and put yeah. them in there and come up with that taste profile and stuff. And so I don't really seem to buy a lot of blends, but every time I have a blend, I'm like, wow, that's really good. Right. So I think I'm a blend guy even though I don't really buy blends, <laughs> like, as much. I usually go for a single origin. I think that I just am always impressed with blends. Something about it just seems a little more, like – higher quality to me i think i feel like a little more time was put into the beans because it's a blend yeah and well that's that's an interesting thought because like some coffee shops do it differently mm-hmm. um uh, and for any given blend it could be a a blend of different types of things going on so like you can blend it before you roast it mm-hmm. you can blend it after you roast it and then like for instance our swinging lantern has different roasts in the blend right whereas like most blends you think of like different origins and then you're getting different flavors that way but yeah that's another way to do it (coughs) yeah that's crazy thank you well hey this was a really solid what's in our cup segment (laughs) we kind of just naturally started flowing into an interview but we should probably cap this segment and then we'll transition over to our uh main one so thank you for listening to the what's in our cup portion and stay tuned for the rest of the interview Well, so now we're here for the uh, main part of today's episode. You probably just finished listening up to the What's in Our Cup segment. And just to kind of re-familiarize everyone with who's here today, we have one of our good friends and a very talented barista and an even more talented human being. His name (laughs) is Ryan Shorter. He is, uh, we are in his apartment right now actually Mm -hmm. recording. And we uh, were tasting out his espresso machine and... Just, you know, having a good time. I don't know. Tasting out his espresso Taste, machine. Taste it literally tasting the espresso machine. Just we didn't. licking it. Just like, <laughs> yeah, it just, as weird as that sounds. Full absolutely. metal, yeah. Full eh. metallic uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's that quote from the office when they all get those little metal canteens from Sabre. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is metallic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's basically... Yeah, so it's been a great morning so far. Um, but yeah, so Hayden, do you have anything you wanted to say or do you want to get into the... The questions. Let's get, the, let's get into the meat of it. Sweet. All I right. guess we were over here because we, um, he he has an espresso machine. Yeah. You know, so like we we haven't had espresso yet on our on our podcast. That's and true. It's about time. You know. Yeah, we've just been sipping French press and pour overs, but 
this was really yeah this was the first time we've ever had a latte and starbucks and starbucks that's right mm. the star can't forget about that <laughs> that's right well. it's like one of the centerpieces of our podcast so far <laughs> they'd always <laughs> find its you. way in that's right <laughs> yeah thanks to me fighting the good fight i guess um, but yeah, sweet. All right. Well then Ryan, the, uh, first question that we have for you just to get the ball rolling is what got you into coffee? Like where did that journey for you begin? Mm. Okay. So kind of what my coffee journey is a little bit weird in a way. It's not like normal from what people do. Normally it's like, Hey, I started drinking coffee when I was younger, like a teenager or whatnot. And then started going to coffee shops, things like that and getting into coffee. Whereas for me, I didn't really drink coffee until college. And my freshman year of college, I was at a liberal arts school and I took like one of my freshman seminar courses was actually called like the magic bean. And it was called like the science of coffee and things like that. And throughout the semester, we were doing tastings, drinking about co- like uh, drinking different coffees, reading about it in different books and really getting an understanding for what coffee is and the cultural impact that it has and the history. So throughout that class, like I was trying different coffees and it really forced coffee onto me. And I remember at one point we were doing a tasting on a Monday night, and we had a Rwandan bean that Dr. Lukel made, and it was in a Chemex, and it had this amazing strawberry taste to it. And I think from that point on, I realized coffee was not so much like this bitter, disgusting yeah. beverage that you're used to hearing about, and it was something that could be beautiful. So through that semester, I was like, wow, this is really super good. So I started making French press at home, and from there I went to Chemex, and then to V60, and then now I'm at espresso and working on latte art and things like that. So how long was it into that course that y'all tried that bean? Uh, that was probably, I think like the third or fourth week in that course. So it was pretty early on. And then he was doing different things with different brewing methods. Like, I don't remember what it was. I think one of them he called was like a Beethoven brewer where it was just thin, something that had no filter in it, but it would use like small glass holes to filter through itself. Uh-huh. And it was just a magical process to watch that happen. Beethoven and, brewing process. Uh-huh. Because it Never came around like the Beethoven era uh-huh. is whenever it first got like kind of popularized. And it's not something you see very often. I don't remember the name of the actual brewer, but that's just kind of what he called it. So when was Beethoven alive? 18? No, 1700s? 60s maybe? Yeah. <laughs> 60s. 19, around the Elvis period, right? Yeah, somewhere <laughs> when the Beatles are there. <laughs> right, right. No, God. No, I but really seriously. Don't know. I really I actually, know. that's very... Uh, a quick Google for history. Yeah, that's what I'm Google. doing under the table right now. Um, yeah, man, that's really bad knowledge. I have no idea. I bet when somebody knows right now. And it's like someone's really listening and is like freaking rookies. Uh, Mr. Old Beethoven was born in 1770 in Germany. Mm. Um, yeah, so been Sick. a minute. I'd be interested to see that. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it was just this like glass or porcelain like cylinder that had different spouts on the side. And you'd pour it in the water at the top, and it would kind of filter through these small glass holes as it went to the bottom. And once it hit the bottom, it was done. So kind of like your typical pour-over in a way. Yeah. But it had, like, the little bit of siltiness and, like, the grittiness that you get from, like, a French press. Yeah. Because obviously it can't filter everything out. But it was actually a really good cup of coffee, and I enjoyed it a lot. That's crazy. That's very cool. That's a cool way to get into coffee as well. I don't mm-hmm. think that's how most people probably did, is taking a course like that. That's That's very cool. I would think that... That's something, too, that if most people took that course or that class, they probably would get into coffee just like you did. You know, oh, like yeah. that's something that if everyone just like in high school or something had to take like a semester of a coffee class or something, <laughs> probably everyone would get into it mm-hmm. because you just get to learn like what you did, which is like, oh, this isn't just that gross smelling beverage that my parents made growing up or something, you know, mm-hmm. like 
you actually get to learn that art behind it and how just vast of a world it is and all of the history and the difference. I mean, that's just exciting. That's cool. I wish that there was more of an easily accessible education to coffee to people, you know, where everyone could just naturally learn a little bit more. Cause I think once everyone gets a taste of no pun intended, a taste of like how much there is to learn, it's easy to fall in love with it. That's true. Yeah. When, and once you realize it's not a bitter black hot drink that you just have in the morning, then it opens up so many doors to like, there's so many things about coffee that is so interesting, whether it's the coffee itself or whatever surrounds it, which is what we're kind of like talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's a little bit for everybody, you know? Yeah. Right. Sometimes you have to find your exact one. It takes a little while to find what you like, you know, what kind of beans you like, what kind of right, right. Brewing flavor methods. profile. Yeah, brewing method, you know, do you like it more of a darker one, a light roast? Like, that's the cool thing. milk with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's so, yeah, milk, no milk. Like, there's so much that really, if, you, if anyone, if any one human takes the time, I think that you could really have someone sit down with you and you could find a coffee drink for them. Like, I think it'd be impossible to find a coffee, like not one drink for them. Right, you I know, see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If you really went through everything, every bean, every process, milk, <laughs> sweetness, nothing. Like, there's no way that one human would be like, nope, there's literally nothing that yeah. I like that involves coffee. Like, yeah. they just probably haven't taken the time to try all that. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there really is something for everyone, it feels like. Absolutely. Um Speaking of like brewing methods, Ryan, what is your preferred brewing method? If you were to have, if you could only have one style for coffee for the rest of your life, um, yeah, that's just desert island, that thing. And you can only take one thing. You can take, let's just pretend there's electricity. You can take an espresso (laughs) machine. You could take, you know, French press, Chemex, like whatever. But if you only had to do one for the rest of your life, what would you do, do you think? um, That's a tough question. I think if you asked me that question a year ago, I would tell you V60 and a good grinder because you have a lot of different like techniques you can make in a V60, mm-hmm. a lot of different things you can mess with, like water temperature, grind size, brew time, everything like that you can mess with. But now that I've got like an espresso machine and a capable grinder and all that, it's probably hands down going to be an espresso machine that I would want to take Yeah, because you can mess with so many things on it. You can change water temperature, brew times, brew ratios, you can make pressure. a wild variety of drinks. You can change the pressure. I uh, I was thinking about <clears throat> Cat and Cloud and how they actually have what's called by-the-cup coffee, and they use an espresso machine to brew drip coffee, like mm-hmm. quote-unquote drip coffee. I actually I saw something about that where someone made a video on YouTube. I think it was, his name's like Smurmetheus or something like that, mm-hmm. and he made a pour-over with an espresso machine, and that's actually something I'd be down to try one day because Heck it yeah. looked really cool to do. I don't know what all you have to change. I'd be scared to do it, but mm-hmm. you can do it. Wow. That's crazy. That's very So cool. they just have like back bar yeah. is their drip machine by the cup. <laughs> Interesting. And it takes like two minutes or so. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long, but. Just one cup to order. Wow. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's something we'd have to look up. Hayden, what about you though? What would be your desert island one last method to use for coffee? What would you take with you? Probably espresso machine. Espresso machine as well. Especially after hearing about the whole like drip method. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you just go in there, change a couple things and then I guess I don't know should. what it looks like. It's probably a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not that easy. But I think even with like uh being able to make like an Americano, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you can have any type of milk drink and then just espresso and then add some hot water to it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Absolutely. What about you? French press? Maybe a French press, that'd be pretty cool. I don't know though, because 
part of what I would always want to make sure I had if I did Desert Island, it was I'd want to have some kind of concentrate for like a cold brew. Um, cause I do, if it's ever hot outside, that's what I would ultimately want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could have more likely just like maybe like some kind of nice instant coffee and then like some concentrate and just something where I can clean up the water, you know, so where I'm not having to just do the ocean water for my cold brew. But, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, we didn't talk about our ocean water a salty. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, just mainly something where I could just purify that water and make like some cold brew. I think ultimately if I was having to just, you know cast away that thing yeah i would probably just want something to where i could you know whether it's a basket or whatever we're just trying to get by i'm trying to just mm. do some cold brew man yeah. i'm just trying to do some nice You're like cold i brew. got some other issues i gotta why am i on this <laughs> island in the first place <laughs> yeah i'll just probably some way to do so just yeah some baskets or whatever what is that one thing we talked about that you used to make cold brew the one popular company toddy toddy mm-hmm. yeah maybe just give me like a toddy and let me just Keep making just brew it brew. once a week, and then you're like, all right, I can solve the world's issues on the other days. Yeah. I'll just make coffee once a week. That's right, yeah. So I'd probably do something like that. I think ultimately if I'd want a cold brew if I was out there. Such a simple guy. Occasionally. That's what I do. Um, yeah, well, there you Ryan, go. Ryan, you were saying that you didn't even, you hadn't even tasted espresso before you got your espresso mm-hmm. machine. Yeah. Most people wouldn't go about doing that no see <laughs> that's yeah, a big yeah. commitment <laughs> yeah i went a uh, went a little reckless with it and was like you know what i want to try something and if i don't like espresso i have a capable dual boiler machine where i can steam a drink and have something milk based at the time and not really have limitations to what i want to drink yeah and it's something that i actually found myself enjoying like whenever i first got my machine i got a breville dual boiler as my first machine and that's a big investment for someone just getting into it it's what like a 1200 hundred dollar machine or something like that <laughs> And I just jumped right in the deep end and got in the grinder with it and figured out, hey, I'll learn it along the way. And that's what I did. And you said the espresso machine was 1200 Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, the machine I had now, the Lemony Mini, Mini oh, obviously, yeah, yeah. is yeah, quite a bit more than that. But quite, quite a bit more. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> well, Rebel was I like... Thought, I thought, okay, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I thought you bought that one. No. And I was no. like, frick. No, I would not <laughs> drop that much on my very first machine. Yeah. But I wanted something that was capable of making, you know, steaming your milk as you're making your espresso. And I figured, like, hey, Breville is a decent uh, company. They have good yeah. serviceability. So dove into the deep end and then, of course, upgraded to the king of the kings, the La Marzocco Linea Mini. Yeah. And I don't see myself going anywhere from here. Yeah. You yeah. got your set for a long time. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. There absolutely. won't be any technical advancements that you'll need to have in home, like, for the next hundred years, probably. Yeah. 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 Espresso hasn't changed in 90 years is how long La Marzocco has been doing it. So that's crazy. They've yeah. had a very long history and very good commercial settings and great home machines. So we use their machines in our shop, don't we? That's mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that same machine. It's just the commercial version. Yeah. Three group. Mm-hmm. Three group head. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty great brand right there. I think a lot of people use that brand from what I've seen inside coffee stores. I feel like yeah. a lot of They're people, just like the workhorse of espresso machines. It seems that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said they've been around for 90 years? Uh, roughly 90 years. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. That's solid. A couple generations there. Mm-hmm. Is it family owned? Um, I'm not sure if it's family owned, honestly. But I know they do a lot of collaborations with uh, big names in the coffee industry. It's like one of the machines we have is the Linea PB. Yeah. And like the Linea AV is the other one. The AV and the PB are actually initials for people that play big roles in the company or people that have a big influence on the industry. Yeah. So they like to put their initials on the machines, and they're releasing a new one called the KB90, 
which is honoring their 90-year anniversary, and it's the initials of someone that also had a big role in La Marzocco's. Is that the machine where you don't torque the mm-hmm. the porter filter in? You just put it in. Yeah, you put it in there. You press a button. It locks itself in. And there's you don't no have to like destroy your wrist or elbow. Yeah, I don't find myself being like, oh my gosh, my arms hurt at the end <laughs> of the shift. But like, I guess that could be an issue after a while of cranking. 30 years. filters on there. Yeah. 30 years of pulling those things in there. You got tennis elbow or whatnot. And is that what they like? Because I don't feel any type of like strain on my arms just sitting know. here right now. But I we crank those things all day. We really long. do. With how many drinks we make, I'm surprised we don't have arm problems. Right. <laughs> arm problems. <laughs> Our arms are just like, we have to put them back just on. General the problems. Yeah. Like, Got to take them off, let them charge. That's uh-huh. right. Yeah. Walk out with ice packs around everyone's yeah. elbows and stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's cool. That you got to wrap really up before our shift. <laughs> That's right. Everyone's like, going to be in a some athletic tape. <laughs> Take an ice bath on the way home. Some braces. Yeah, that's interesting. That'll be cool. I want to see that machine. That, that came out fancy. last year? Mm-hmm. Last year, earlier this year, somewhere around there. Yeah. Man, earlier this year, that would have been a bad time to release something like that. Oh, yeah. Nobody's looking at buying an espresso <laughs> machine right now. Yeah. Shops are closing down. They release a new one. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> all right, now that you've closed. Here's the newest, finest thing. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. I like the tribute you said too to, in the company that they do the initials after people. Maybe there will be a Centennial RS or something for Imagine. you. You know, uh, ten years shorter. or so when they come up on the hundred year, maybe they'll give you a machine. Hey, what would so... you do to an espresso machine to make it better? What would I do to it? Oh man, that's a great question. Honestly, um, I know Slayer and the Lamarzoko GS3. They're really good about having easily adjustable pressures. So I think something like that, having a brew paddle where you can adjust the pressure with it, is oh, super yeah. handy. And They're then a little just, bit more manual. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then just super easy to service, um, making sure that it's pretty, pretty automated, takes out a lot of the barista work, like having an automatic uh, volumetric scale included with it and things like that. But I don't know. There's so much innovation that's already been done. It's hard to find something new. And, I mean, 10 years from now, might be my name on there and, might be something cool on there, but <laughs> I, I don't know right now. I James so. James Hoffman was just involved with the new production of a, an espresso machine that's a little bit more sustainable, I guess. That's kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but... Mm-hmm. The Victoria Arduino Black Eagle or something like that? Yeah, well, that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bingo, <laughs> yeah, that's, like that. that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's only so much I guess you can do. Espresso is such a simple idea. Mm-hmm. The technology surrounding it is just like very minuscule changes from here on out, it seems like. But like one of the things that they did was make sure that the, there's not as much heat waste and like water waste. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the big thing. But like with the whole water waste thing, we were able to fix that on our espresso machine. You just right. hit a different button right. whenever you're uh, rinsing the group head or whatever. But like, I don't know how you figure out where the heat goes that's no, just like I mean, something that's going to be wasteful anyways better insulation who knows right hmm. because i mean i feel like at some point you reach diminishing returns yeah is the size of the machine worth the amount of insulation that you're putting in there yeah because you don't want something that you can't put on a counter or you can't move around easily so yeah that's true it's a big game to battle <laughs> yeah no doubt no doubt um one thing that we've been seems to be a constant a uh, question that we ask ourselves and we've brought up on the podcast a few times is where do you think the future of like coffee is going? Uh, if you had to say, you know, with, with us being in the third wave right now, it, do you think there's going to be a fourth wave? If so, what do you think it's going to be? Like, where do you think that the market will head 
in the future. Hmm. Um, I think where we're going right now, I could see there being a fourth wave, mm -hmm. and I could see it being less along the lines of specialty coffee, like in shops, and more along the lines of specialty coffee in homes, because obviously, like the first and second waves, they brought in the home barista and things like that, and the third wave is bringing it in a little bit bigger. Where I mean, I'm investing more in my coffee and making sure I can always have a great cup of coffee at home. But I feel like the barista that works professionally is also going to strive for that. And I could see fourth wave just being really good home coffee and kind of stepping away from the commercial setting more. But I have no idea. I mean, I think the future of coffee is very bright if we can sustain it. There's a lot of environmental concerns and things like that about coffee. So I think if we can ring those in and really guarantee a future for coffee. I think it's going to keep growing the way it has been and pursuing more excellent cups of coffee rather than just getting your cup of coffee and going to work and then going home. Rather, so it'd be more going to a cafe, sitting there for an hour, really enjoying your coffee, and then going to work or going home or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you brought up a good point with sustaining the way that coffee's going. I know that that's some people might not be aware of that, but I heard the other day that that's a big concern is 10 years down the road, the way that we are consuming coffee and the how the demand is just continuing to skyrocket across the world, that there is that serious risk of, and there's all, I, it's people that are much smarter than I, but the, I know with different elevations and with the weather changing, and there's a lot of areas where farming isn't becoming as sustainable in certain countries I heard and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so now they're having to, the demand's going up, but the good land to farm is going down in some mm -hmm. areas and that's becoming a serious concern. It's like, I feel like a lot of climate and land concerns, we kind of know it's a thing, but it doesn't feel like it's going to happen for a while. So we're like, ah, we'll just worry about it when it gets bad. And that's mm -hmm. kind of something that I hope doesn't happen with coffee is that all of a sudden it's like, Oh shoot. We, uh, you know, we're all of a sudden, I don't know, coffee would maybe become very expensive or it would become like very, you know, like, mm -hmm. Now it just feels like coffee is so accessible. You can mm -hmm. have great coffee at home. You can go to all these different stores and there's just, there's so much coffee everywhere. But to think that we would ever have to start like rationing it or that it would become like a, a commodity or something, you know, where it's like rather, I don't know, that would be kind of scary, but a weird world to live in. But it really could happen that way, it feels mm -hmm. like. I mean, imagine a world at our shop where we have a limited quantity of coffee for the month and that's all that we have. Yeah. So if we sell out of that on the middle of a Saturday when we're really busy, well, that's it. Sorry, guys. Right. I mean, that could be a possibility if we're not able to bring things in. So hopefully we do. Yeah. Hopefully we uh, can find a way to get a hold of that before it gets bad. Because um, mm -hmm. that would not be good for any of us and just a sad thing. You know, we don't want to blow through something as great as coffee. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. Have you heard anything about that? About the. I mean, I don't know any, th any specifics necessarily, but like. Um, what y'all were talking about with weather and sustainable practices, I think is a big thing. And, mm -hmm. but just the relationships that you have with farmers, I think is an important way to go about it. Cause whenever you use like, um, pesticides and chemicals or whatever, so that you're creating mass quantities of coffee, it tends to not take care of the soil. And then like, whenever you try to grow more coffee, it's just not as good. So like, we have coffee still, but it's not like, it's not great coffee, <laughs> yeah. which it's not already. But um, whenever we whenever we are able to go and have better relationships and better practices, I think that'll 
take care of maybe a lot of those issues. Yeah. Hopefully. I have no idea. Hopefully. Yeah. I don't know anything about global warming and how that plays into coffee practices, but that's always a concern too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hopefully maybe we can do a little research and look into ways to help prevent this from getting worse. You know, if there's just something we can get ahead of earlier or whatever, we'll see. I don't know. It's a big problem. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot bigger than a podcast pretty big issue out there you know, it's I, don't know. Uh, I think we just took care of it yeah I think so. we fixed it i think us bringing it up on here yeah. is uh all we needed to, we did our part i guess yeah. so <laughs> guess. Yeah, dust our hands off yeah so uh drink less coffee yeah <laughs> well, just just love and cherish every cup because yeah you never know if it's always going to be as accessible sadly hopefully it's not a problem but you just never know it's something sad to think about but just appreciate it while we're rolling with it i don't think we're going to have any issues anytime soon i wouldn't think so you never know. You never know. You never know. Um, we're producing coffee in America. That's not very good, but we're able to. Yeah, that's true. Trying to figure that out. Yeah, we'll see. I'd be interested to look deeper into the farms and how that's going. Yeah, same. Yeah, but um, Ryan, something else that we always like asking is what uh, what's just your favorite part about coffee? When you just think of coffee in general, why do you like it so much? I know that's an extremely loaded question uh-huh. to put simply so feel free to take it however you want whether it's more of a cultural answer or the actual coffee itself however you want to take that mm-hmm. but if you what, what's your favorite part about coffee why do you like it so much yeah i mean coffee is something that is super broad and i think to pinpoint one area of coffee that you really enjoy the most is really hard to do but if i tried i would honestly have to say the community because Coffee is something that surrounds culture in America, in Europe, in Australia, in China even, and it's something that encompasses the entire world. So it's not just a cup of coffee that I enjoy, it's a cup of coffee that at the same time someone in Australia might be enjoying. And the culture around coffee has become so, I think, friendly. And I mean, maybe we can thank Starbucks for that. They started the whole third wave, I feel like, and brought specialty coffee to America and made it more popular. And from then from there on, we have places like Summer Moon, we have places like uh, Pete's Coffee, things like that, all kind of growing up more and more and more. And specialty coffee really reaching more. So I think through specialty coffee, you're having more relationships develop between roasters and farmers and more develop between customers and roasters. And just people around coffee seem to love just this one drink and form a friendship around it. I think that's something that's very beautiful, that two people can sit with a cup of coffee and talk for two hours that have never met before. So it almost forces relationships, but it doesn't. Right. Yeah, it's that kind of social equalizer. Mm-hmm. Some For some reason, you can just <clears throat> well, sit down with somebody and like just drink something and then just kind of have that as your, as your equalizer. Yeah. Like you're both talking about the same thing. And then you start mm-hmm. talking about your lives and like, coffee experiences and that's pretty cool yeah i think a lot of people i've noticed and it was easier more pre-covid it's just a unique time that we live in right now but from a social standpoint like what ryan was saying is when people come into a coffee shop i think most people aren't going to get upset if they're approached you know like because if you really wanted no one to come talk to you you probably wouldn't go out in public then you know, True. Like if you really wanted to get your work done and you didn't want anyone to come now, you know, you can put your headphones in and maybe that's not the person you go up and talk to be like, Hey, can you take those down so I can talk to you? But I spe- but those people, especially if you see someone in a coffee shop and maybe they like don't have headphones in or something, I think they're a hundred percent 
okay with someone coming up and being like, Hey, what are you drinking? You know, or something or like ask them a quick friendly question. You know, like I just, Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. I know I'll do that sometimes if it's like, Oh, I want to go get some work done. I'll go to a coffee shop. And I'm totally okay with that slight chance of if someone comes up and starts a conversation with me and I become friends with someone, like I'm okay with the possibility of that happening. That's why I'm going out in public to do my work. If I didn't want that to happen at all, I would just find a place that's completely isolated to do my work, you know? So I think it's cool. I always enjoyed seeing that, especially before the pandemic that, you know, in our shop and it's still, now I see it more as people are standing and waiting for drinks. You'll just see people spark up conversation with strangers, you know, while they're waiting on their drinks or something. And I think that's something that just, I always love about coffee is it can just bring people together, you know, and there's just always, there's always something to be said for anything in this world that can just bring people from different backgrounds and groups together over one common interest. Mm -hmm. You know, we can never get enough of those in this world where people can just kind of come together, you know, and talk about something or just, I just always like that. And especially with our shop, I always enjoyed that. I'd see people all the time lean over and you could tell they're having a conversation with someone that they didn't know but they're both, they both like coffee. They both like sitting in coffee shops and they're both sitting next to each other and probably okay with the conversation, you know, so they have enough common ground to go ahead and just spark up an interesting conversation. And that's always a cool thing. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's coming back a little bit, but I look, that's probably the thing I honestly look forward to most when we are able to get through COVID and get back to a little more normalcy is just people being able to just converse more freely because nowadays I think there's always just that slight fear of like, should I say something to them? Are they going to be like, oh, they don't talk to me. Like you might be, you know, like it's just, I think that's honestly the biggest bummer to me right now with inside a coffee shop is the fact that I think the conversation isn't as easy to start, Mm -hmm. you know, as it was before where it's just like, oh, let me just go walk up to this person in line and talk to him. You know, it used to not be a thing, but now it's like, everyone wants to be respectful, you know, for the most part. And so everyone's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go up and just approach this family and start talking to him because maybe they're going to be weirded out because it's, you know, so I look forward to when we can go back to just everyone sitting in a big coffee shop packed in there and everyone can just talk randomly to different other people and just, you know, make friends and just get back to that world because that was one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's definitely something we're missing out on right now. Yeah, I feel that in the shop. I'm like, ah, we just don't have that random conversation with people that where everyone's just talking to everyone yeah. you know it's even hard for us to do that to people yeah you know, across the bar like mm-hmm. we don't want them to get too close but at the same time it's hard to talk to them with masks because you can't hear each other yeah like we used to someone's walking in the shop and someone says good morning and then they look and there's like four baristas wearing masks and they can't figure out which one of them said good morning and <laughs> yeah. so they're like you can tell they're like trying to eliminate in their heads which voice it probably was you know yeah. so mm. it just it, it's a lot harder i think now you know, or sometimes I'll find it when I help people, I'm not always inclined to be like, Hey, so how's your, you know, like, how's your day going and start like right. a deep conversation. Cause you can just tell maybe with just body language, you know, it's like, they're just not as in a talkative mood as they once were before the pandemic. Cause it's just like a lot of people are just trying to be respectful and not start lengthy conversations, you know, and cause no one wants to pull their mask down, but if they start getting tired from talking, so it's just, I just feel like there's those little barriers now where it's not as easy to start as many conversations. Some people it's still just as easy, but it's just for the general mass public. I don't think it's, it's a little more now uh, like murky waters on if, should I start a deep conversation with this person or should I not? Are they just trying to get in and get out? Cause maybe they're worried about getting sick. You know, you just, it's hard cause there's that extra layer now of confusion. Yep. So yeah, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but hopefully we'll get back to that soon. Hayden, what's your favorite part about coffee? Um, if you had to break it down. I would say the same thing. Yeah, it's like um, I I am very introverted, so being around coffee 
exactly like Ryan was saying, it's very, like, you, it's easier to open up to people when you have that common interest. And mm-hmm. it's not as easy whenever you're just, like, whenever you see a person out in public to connect with them. But if you're in a coffee shop, it's like, you already have a common interest, you know? If you're both drinking coffee, it's, there's already a common interest there. And it's easier to connect with people. So what's outside the cup is, you know, (laughs) the the coolest part about it. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Everything that goes into the cup is the best part. What's outside outside the cup? Right, outside the cup. Let's plug the name. Right. Six Segway. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on and being our first ever interview. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it and love to have you guys over again and make coffee again. Absolutely. Mics or no mics, we'll love to be back regardless. (laughs) But we got, thank you for coming on. And so, yeah, and again, this is, at the time of recording, this is our official launch day, so we are now going to be on Spotify, and we're working currently through getting on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app, so this is uh, it's going to be good. So, I mean, by the time this comes out, it's already going to be deep into there, so oh, yeah. we'll already have millions of subs, right. so <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to plug it, you know. <laughs> that'll be well handled by yeah. this time in a couple of weeks, but mm. yeah, so, but again, thanks for listening, and just everyone stay safe out there, and yeah, we hope everyone has a great day. Bye. Peace.